It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Huge walk-off win last night. and Sean Rodriguez playing hero. Maybe not in the media afterwards, but oh well. Let's cheer him on tonight. But so many good things that are going on. And why I say good things? Because you lose two of three in Miami and you gain a half a game. Yes, good things are happening. Bryce is back. Bryce has got a new baby crew. But let's be honest here. The main part of today is me talking to the play-by-play man himself, Scott Fransky. That's coming up next on Pine Tar for Breakfast. In the air to left field. Going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Franzen sends everybody home. Ball there. Coming down. down. All right, welcome to Pine Tar for Breakfast. And I have your voice. Philadelphia Phillies. Scott Fransky on the line. Scott, how are you? I'm good, Kevin. How are you? Yeah, this is so like professional right here. Like we right. ever are. <laughs> once in a while. Once in a while. We try to be professional. Well, um, yeah. And uh you have to deal with me. So that that's unprofessional as it comes, but that's all right. Well, you're kind of created in the same mold as uh, my other partner, so well, um, we just I've have, been dealing just with lose, I've been dealing with right? his act for years. Yeah, so. yeah, his act's kind of fun though. <laughs> uh. You just never know. <laughs> well, so okay, and this is this is not to this is kind of off of like I wasn't going to go here, but um, when you talk about like just the, our, our personalities, and and I'm not saying you you try to put it together, um, what we bring, but when it comes to losses and wins and and you've experienced so many in, in so many years you've experienced the highest of highs when you have different partners that you have to, to feel it out you just be you the whole time and then you realize oh my gosh these guys these guys are totally different when we when we win or we lose or or they could be the same yeah uh, i mean yeah i think that's like with anything um right you sort of just see how it goes for a while and um you realize what uh, what people respond to, what people don't respond to. Um, you realize, I don't know, how you like to do it. or I mean, like I realize how I like to do a game when it's 12 to 1 or, <laughs> or when it's 2 to 1. It's totally different, right? Yeah. So, um, and you guys are, are the same thing. And you guys bring different things to the table. And the more I worked with Larry and the more I continue to work with you, I know more and more about um, what you guys like to do in those moments. And so we just, I don't know. um, As you well know, we never talk about it. (laughs) It just happens. So um, I don't know. I kind of feel like if, if I can just help you or help Larry be yourselves, I think that's the, as Gabe likes to say, that's the best version of yourself, you know, just be you. And, and if I can help you feel comfortable enough to do that, then that's then I've done my job. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's funny because no matter what, 
like just being able to be yourself and, and and not be a robot on the radio i think at the beginning for me was tough cuz and not so much maybe with uh, doing you know the color stuff but the um talk show radio stuff trying to just be yourself instead of being so like all buttoned up it's like isn't that what people want to hear is you <laughs> right not a, not a different I mean, version of you now don't i mean you know don't get me wrong obviously you you uh maybe off the mic might color your language a little bit differently and no. you have to you, you have to be, about? be a little more pro i think when you're when you're doing a game broadcast or or doing a talk show or or whatever you might be doing in media but um but i i do think that baseball in particular is is a lot like being a talk show host in that you're on continuously you know from spring to fall every day 3 hours a day it's like doing a talk show yeah. Um, now there's a game going on, and you you play around the game, um, but it's still I think at the end of the day require both both require you to be yourself, because you just can't carry an act for that long, right? Without the true you coming out somewhere along the way, and fans will hear it, fans will notice it, and um, it, you know just be you, and you know if that's about that actually Kevin was really important for me like learning um or trying to get get somewhere in this business yeah um because it's frustrating you know you send tapes out you try to get a job somewhere and somebody says yeah i really liked your tape okay well why didn't you hire me well i don't know we like <laughs> the other guy we like the other guy better and i'm like oh so it's just sort of like a preference thing there's nothing wrong that i did yeah um it's just like it worked for that person who was doing the hiring. So once I sort of got that into my thick skull, it made it a lot easier to handle the, the rejection part of it. And there's a lot of that. And there's a lot of people who will think you should do it differently or don't like the way you do it. Or maybe there's some that do like the way you do it. And you, you learn to sort of be like, well, I'm really glad for those who do like it. Um, <laughs> I wish I could do it, you know, I wish I could, the ones who don't, I wish I could make them like it, but yeah. I can't. That's not what I, I can't make you like it. Yeah. So I'll just be myself and um, see where that, that puts me. So it made it a lot easier to send out a tape and get rejected and be like, <laughs> all right, well, this, like, this is the best version of me on a tape. Yeah. This You're is, like, this is who I, either they like me or they don't. That's it. Right. This is what I sound like. This is how I call the game. They like it. Okay. If they don't, I guess I'll have to find something else to do. <laughs> Well, you know, like what I I find to be, whoa, that's weird. That was a weird sound right there. Anyway, uh, what I find to be crazy what is are you that, like, chopping it, uh, chopping vegetables or what are you doing? No, no, no. Okay. That, I was just chopping my entire uh, soundboard here. That it is that oh, okay. little red box that you've seen before. Anywho, uh, no, but like, okay, so we we as baseball players go through you know the minor leagues and 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 all that stuff, and we got you know hundreds of guys that you are competing against. Well. For for twenty five jobs in the big leagues, it, you think about like where you've gone from from the minor leagues in in Kane County. Well, actually, you even start before that with the, the talk shows, and then going to Kane County doing your stuff, and being one of thirty big league play by play guys on the radio. I, I mean, do you ever step back and just go, "Damn!" Like I, I know I know from yeah, talking to you off air and is, stuff, yeah, you don't take it for granted. But like, is. just those pinch me moments. Absolutely. I mean, um, uh, 
usually it's damn I'm lucky um, <laughs> is where I You're usually welcome. end up. You know, you, get to work and I, you know, but uh, but seriously, like uh, like as you as you point out, there's not many guys doing it, right? There's yep. not many of these jobs in the world. They're not everything about the job is awesome. I mean, it's a job, and you have things that you have to do, and you may not enjoy as much, but um, you know, the game starts and it's the game and the broadcast and it's the most fun I can imagine having. And it's the best job I can imagine, you know, creating for myself, quite frankly. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I distinctly remember, uh, the night Roy Halliday threw his perfect game. And, um, I remember the bus was, was delayed. We didn't leave the stadium you know, normally it's like an hour after the game or whatever the case might be. And, but we were there a while um, because there was a lot of post game. There was a lot of media, uh, you know, doing interviews with Holiday and stuff like that. And um, I, you know, I remember getting a, a, a text from a friend of mine who's a, an announcer, a great announcer with the Rangers, Eric Nadell. And he just he's like, I, I just can't believe it. You know, you just got to call a perfect game, you know, um, and. It's it's and I just remember standing there whether I was on the phone with my wife and I get text from my brother and um, you know from friends and, and you just you're just like wow I just got to see something that only a tiny number of people have ever seen and I got to announce it yeah um, like how lucky am I um, how lucky am I to come to Philadelphia and walk into a situation where the team is on the rise and they're getting good and they go to the playoffs for five years in a row. And I see, you know, a world series championship and I, I see a perfect game and I see a playoff, no hitter that doc throws. And I see, um, you know, some of the greatest players of this generation play day in and day out. Um, and you know, I get to work with unbelievable people and work for an unbelievable organization. I like, like I am the luckiest dude. <laughs> I really, I am I, yeah. because, because again, there's a bunch of guys that I did minor league baseball with, mm-hmm. you know, that were in other teams in the same league that were really good at it and they didn't get to this level and they gave up on it and they went and did something else. Um, and really through no fault of their own, they did a good job. They did what they were supposed to do. They told the score enough. You know, they yeah. they called good plays and they had a good tape, but it, whatever, it, you you have to be really lucky to to land this job. Yeah, I, that, I'm thoroughly convinced of that. Well, and not only that, like like going to that perfect game, staying in the moment, right? And and you could, I don't even know what that would be the equate. You know how you could equate it to a player, like for us standing in the box, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded for a hitter. You know, you're on the call. You have like, you, you know, you got to nail this. If, if, you know, the ground ball to third base gets, you know, scoots by, you're, you, you have to describe it. You can't let your emotions go by right. and, and get in front. But I mean, how did you say, how did you stay in the moment then? Well, uh, I know I it's a, it's, it's a weird question, but it's it is, one that I mean, I've I, always But I mean, if I, if I use, um, you know, your analogy of being a player in the batter's box, in the bottom of the ninth inning with the game on the line. Um, you've been in the batter's box thousands of times at every level, right? Mm-hmm. And it still boils down to 
a couple of things, right? It still boils down to being on time, see the ball, hit the ball, right? There's, yep. there's a lot of things you can't control. And somewhere along the way in those thousands of at-bats, might have been in the ninth inning, might have been in the first inning, might have been in the seventh, might have been in A-ball, might have been in the big leagues, might have been in Little League. But somewhere along the way with experience and constant repetition, you boil it down to a few certain things. And you know that at that moment, I got to do this right. I got to do this right. That's all I can think about or whatever it was, you know, and everybody's different, I guess. Like I'm sure you've talked about hitting with umpteen number of people that might approach a situation like that differently. Right. Yep. And they both, but my guess is a lot of them boil it down to try to be as simple, keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. And you you did. And you nailed it. That's, that's not always going to go think on. Of your like mechanics, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's amazing though. Like you think about it, Roy goes into to the Hall of Fame this year, and that's pretty much number one high, number one highlight. Number two, maybe behind the no hitter in in uh, against the Reds in the playoffs. But you're just going like you got two of the greatest moments of, of Roy Halladay's career. Yeah, and again, it, it's like it. Like when he went in and we were in Pittsburgh and I got to see you on that day and you, you could just, I, I knew like you're pumped. Like it's not like, yay, yay me. It's like, but you're like, I get to be a part of history no matter what. Yeah. And you know what? what I think what was really strange for me, um, like uh, all throughout my growing up, I mean, players go into the hall of fame that I saw play, but this was a guy I saw play up close, like a lot. Yeah. Um, and for you, I mean, that's as, I guess that's as close as I, I can get to it. But for you, you know, for you, you, you play alongside somebody. Um, and I guess that was the first time it was somebody who is from my career <laughs> that is going into the hall. Like for my whole life, they have been legends of the game from years past, yeah. long before I did this job. Um, and so there was a, a certain kind of disconnect and uh, and whatnot, but but this was somebody who was of the era in which I broadcast, which um, it's cool. It also makes me feel old. I was about to uh, say you are old though. Yeah, You're yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, <laughs> but that's good though. I beat the alternative. <laughs> <laughs> No doubt, no doubt. All right, so let's let's turn to the stuff that uh, you know just really fires people up. Oh, by the way, I do know where I was. I think a while ago we talked about it, and I was like thinking about it. I was like, it had to have been the day. It was Roy Halladay's perfect game. Was the mm-hmm. same day that Kendry Morales shattered his leg jumping on. Home oh, is that plate. right? Yeah, on the on the walk off okay. Grand Slam. I caught him too. That's why. That's why I remember that. And that was a day game, right? That was a day game. Right. It was a day game. So we went in, we watched the start of it. I went back to my place and I ended up, I, or not I, uh, an establishment and watched the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. So an establishment. Yeah. It was a restaurant, you know, yes. had a bar. Yeah. I got you. It's all good. Hey, with the, you know, just this version of the, the Philadelphia Phillies and 68 and 62, um, the most Jekyll and Hyde team I could possibly think of. I mean, <laughs> Yeah. What what comes to mind when, I mean, more more or less, we we know the whole season where it's you know been guys not performing and everything. But how would you condense it down? The the hundred and what, 
30 games that they've played. How would you condense it down into what you would describe as the season? Uh, well, I think it's interesting. I guess that, you know, you go to Miami, you lose two out of three to the worst team in the National League, record-wise anyway. Um, you lose to the worst team in the league, yet you gain a half game <laughs> on a playoff spot. Yeah. Right? Weirdest thing in the world. You you come out of there thinking, oh, my God, how did we how did that happen? You know, they just played so well in Boston. How did it happen? Well, um, I think it just speaks to the, I, I, I don't want to use, um, I hate to use the word mediocrity, but there, there's a real separation between the really great teams yeah. in the national league and everyone else. Um, and, you know, there's not really that, you know, a big stable of bottom feeders. I, there's just so much middle ground in the National League. And um, the Phillies are in that. I, I mean, they're, would they be, would they have a better record if their bullpen didn't collapse? I, I do believe that. I, yeah. I absolutely believe that. Um, if their bullpen had stayed healthy, yep. they'd be better off. Um, would they be a ton better off? You know, would they be nine games better? I don't know about that. Um, the offense has been very inconsistent, obviously. Um, the starting pitching has been, um, I'd say, you know, just from a performance standpoint, it's been a major disappointment. I know mm -hmm. Arietta's hurt now, um, but Nick Pavetta did not, uh, you know, he did not grow. Zach Eflin hasn't you know, grown uh, into that next level starter. Vince Velasquez is still trying to get there. Um, you know, Nick is back in the minors. And, and so I think the starting pitching to me has been the biggest uh, performance disappointment. Um, I, you know, hitters have had ups and downs. I think at the end of the year, Bryce Harper's numbers are going to look like Bryce Harper's numbers, which generally do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Pretty good. Now, he got off to a slow start. He's having a great month of August. That's kind of who he's been through his career, right? Yep. He gets super hot. Um, and the aggregate, the overall, looks pretty good. Um, and, you know, Reese, Reese is really, this last six weeks has been really difficult to watch uh, for Reese. Um, but again, you know, the bullpen... I say they have the excuse of injury. I mean, they, they haven't performed as well as we thought, but the cast of characters is largely different than we thought. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, last night's game is a great example. I mean, they're getting huge outs from guys that even a month ago weren't on this team. Yeah. Um, you know, there's five pretty significant uh, pitchers who weren't in the organization of, at the all-star break. You know, two starters, Smiley and Vargas, um, three big relievers, Morin, Parker, the uh, Hughes. I mean, these guys weren't even not just in the. <laughs> I mean, they weren't they weren't on our radar at all. So no. they've had to remake that on the fly. Um, but um, I, I just think this. I don't know. It's just so much. There's so much middle ground in the National League that it, it is true that you get hot for a week or ten days. 
all of a sudden, and if you do it right now, all of a sudden, oh, wow. Yeah. Now you've got a two-game advantage. Um, And they're going to need that because the schedule is going to get a whole lot tougher. Well, yeah, into it, September. And that's the crazy thing is that these guys haven't had their, their hot streak yet. And yet if they do go and have this hot streak, it's the perfect timing. And you're going, man, what the hell did we do the whole season for? <laughs> why, right. why did we have to have this feeling the whole time? Right. Well, you know, <laughs> and how often do we talk about it? A um, lot. Off but, the air. The but idea we that, talked you about know, you a lot. game in April we, and you're like, oh, it's one game. Let's turn the page. Let's go to the next one. Yeah. Well, then you get into September, and one game means a whole hell of a lot. Yeah, no know? doubt. And I think that's why maybe after the White Sox game, where you know Roman Quinn came in and 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 threw two innings, that's why it it, it kind of made you mad because you knew yeah. we're getting down to it, and and you see it. But you know, I, we we talked about at the beginning of the year the Marlins. Uh, whoever takes care of the Marlins in division is going to win the division, and well, the Braves are taking care of them the nationals have done very well against them and the mets have done very well against them and now if if the phillies don't sweep them in the last series of the year uh you know against them they have a losing record against the marlins that can't happen right it just that should not happen i mean and having obviously seen a lot of the marlins um yeah that should absolutely not happen and again uh i've i you know we had this discussion coming out of of Miami, uh, you know, Sunday night and, and into Monday, you know, well, Nola was this and he, you know, kind of lost it a little bit there in the sixth and, and, you know, this, that, or the other. I'm like, no, 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 no. Your ace loses sometimes. It, mm-hmm. it happens. And some days you'll score two runs. It happens. Uh, the one you got to get back is the one from Friday night where they had a seven, nothing lead. Um, I don't care who's on the mound. No. You got a seven, nothing lead. You have to win that game. Yeah. Um, that's the one. Because that's the one that's in the bag. That's the one that protects you against Sunday pitchers duel. You know, they get a base knock at the right time and, and you lose. Um, but it's the one Friday night when you had that big lead that, that just kills you. It just kills you. And that, you know, and again, that that kills your your, your momentum and your, yeah. your, your possibility of, of going on a hot streak. But it, it, isn't it amazing? You and I have talked about this, and I know LA's talked about this a ton. It's like, this team gains all the momentum in the world after some of these victories. Like there are some insane victories that you're thinking, man, this should propel them. And then, uh Oh yeah, no, <laughs> no, no. And, 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 and isn't that just because of the, the, again, they're all these teams are pretty much the same. Yeah. There's not a huge difference. in No, there is, um, you know, the Dodgers and the Braves and, and I'd say the way they've, trended the last two months the nationals too i mean they're 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 as good a team as they're they're you know certainly playing like it right now um so you know again if for for this franchise for where they've been uh for where they've been the last five six seven years um getting to the playoffs i get it it might only be one game i understand that uh but getting to the playoffs is is pretty darn important and um it i mean how can you not think it's not going to come down to one single game? Yeah. Hey, how's it been with uh, hey, hey, uh, hey, hey, Scott? Scott, what's up? Hey, hey what's up? <laughs> it's how, great. How's, how's Charlie's been? awesome. You know, um, just one of the the great. I've said it on the air a couple of times, but just you can tell that uh, leaning on a batting cage is one of Charlie's favorite places in the world, and 
to go there and to sort of hang in that space is really cool. Um, and to hear him interact with the players and, and watch how the players react and interact with him. And, you know, it's been over 20 years since he was a, he was a hitting coach, yeah. right? I mean, it's been two decades served as a manager, obviously. Um, but, and was heavily involved in all that. As you know, he would be out there on the cage all the time as a skipper, but, um, to be the actual guy, to be the hitting coach, it's been a long time. And, and, um, you know, his philosophies on it haven't changed uh, all that much. And they may be somewhat different from philosophies that are taught today. But think about it. I mean, you know, he's he's got kids that are in their 20s. You know, there were there were toddlers when he was last a, <laughs> a, a hitting coach. Yeah. So uh, but I do think the guys are are enjoying being around it. I think, you know, like I said, watching them interact with him. Um He's always, as you know, he's got a story for everything. Um, he, he, and he can spin a story, you know, oh, yeah. and just the way he tells it, his, his twang and his, you know, folksy, uh, folksy way. It, it, it um, yeah, you know, it's, it's just, it's a lot of fun to be around. And for us, you know, who've been here a while, you know, brings back, you know, good memories by and large. Um, and, um, yeah, it's fun having him around. Well, it's a, it, I'm just hoping that his philosophy, just in general, his his talk, and at some point resonates with Reese, because I think yeah. we, when you think about the the big time hitters and the possibilities, like Reese is hitting two thirty three, yeah. he, he's got he, he's got what four RBIs in the month of August, and like he's even come out and said, I need more information, I I need all the information I need, and it's like less is more, dude. And, and the guy that is about less is more has always been Chuck. And, and I'm hoping, and I'm sure he's been around, you know, Reese quite a bit, but now in that, in that state of hitting coach, maybe Reese will listen to it. Yeah. And I mean, uh, listen and, and, you know, you hope it helps. I, I they obviously, are, I mean, they're not going to make it if he's hitting the way he is for another month. Um, I, I don't think. I mean, mm -hmm. I think if they did, that would be pretty spectacular upset. Um, they're going to need him to get hot. And, uh, and we've seen that he can, I, you know, he's hitting 233, and there's a, you know, whatever you, I know the sort of the age of analytics, there's always a number we can spin that's positive. Um, whether it's, walks. you know, his 101 walks, his <laughs> on base percentage or whatnot, and, you know, he's got 25 homers and, um, I was talking to Charlie yesterday and, you know, he said, you remember back when it used to be a thing to hit 300, right? Yep. Um, and then somewhere along the way it became, you know, hitting 260 is okay if you hit 30 homers or hitting 240 is okay if you hit 30 homers, 35 homers. Like that's all okay now. No. And uh, Charlie has always been of the mind that, look, if, if your goal is to try to hit 300, the homers are going to come. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to, if you're, if you have an approach that allows you to hit 300 in the big leagues, you're going to hit homers, you know, the ball, the park, you know, the crappy pitching. I mean, whatever yeah. you're, yeah. you're going to get there. Right. But if you, but you need that approach that allows you to be a guy that can hit 300. Um, and, you know, he thinks that guys have just sort of given up on that ideal, that they've been told that it's, that it's not a big deal. Um, you know, 
the, the idea that everything has to be pulled. Uh, he and I got in the conversation yesterday about um, some of the great right-handed hitters of the last 20 years, and I brought up Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. And this is a guy who wears out right center, wears right? Out. Yeah. Wears it out. He won a triple crown. What's wrong with that? Nothing, <laughs> right? Um, you'll get Analytically, your money. wasn't a great year. <laughs> yeah, right. You're going to get your money because you'll, you'll hit your homers. Um, some parks, those doubles up the gap are going to be homers. But stay with the same approach. Stay with the same philosophy. You'll get there. The homers will come. And um, But somewhere along the way, we've lost that as an ideal that, look, I'm going to have to – I'm going to – you know, back leg and pull and uh, whatever you would call it, you know, swing plane, launch angle, all that stuff. You just, you eliminate one side of the field. You eliminate one side of the plate. You're, well, you're just not doing yourself any favors. So, you know so here, here's where I, I've like started like thinking about this more and more and writing it down just so I'm like, I, I don't seem like I'm an idiot in my mind. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back on this and, and read it. And I'm like, it's the truth as a hitter. Before all the numbers come out, right? You know exactly what you're hitting. You know where your your homers are, and you're doing that. You're not thinking pull, 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 pull. The moment those numbers come in your mind, and you're like, "Well, if I can do this more because I do this," like I, right, like that's where I that, that's where the concept in these guys' minds don't register when it, the numbers are out there. Well, if he does this more often, it's like okay, but that wasn't his approach to get there. He wasn't right. trying to go up there pulling. Like his whole idea was being middle guy, and then he happened to pull, and his numbers were there. But once he became just straight pole guy, like Reese's numbers on the like the foul side on, on the on the pole side foul foul line are insane. Like yeah. he's hitting over a thousand because I mean he could put something up in the upper deck like I've never seen before. Right. But foul, and, and that's the stuff that I'm just like I don't get. Where where in the numbers does that tell you anything? Right. No, I, I agree. It's like uh, it's almost like chicken and the egg, right? Yep. I mean, um, or whatever you a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Um, I, I, I did these things. I got these numbers built up and these numbers tell me I'm best when I do this. So I'm going to keep doing this more and more and more. And I'm going to do now I've eliminated one half of my approach. Um, and I think Reese used to be when we, when he first came up and, and when he got to the big leagues, he was a guy that would take balls to right field, especially if he was slumping. He could get back at it by going the other way, drop a couple of balls into right field. And then, like you say, if you're thinking up the middle, maybe you're a little late, but you go to right field. Maybe you're a little early and you pull it out of the park, but you got to be thinking up the middle. And, uh, you know, the other thing about it is, um, but to me, of course, Dickerson the other night had four hits. And mm-hmm. it's something that Charlie said to me. He said, you know what? You know what he did? He used what the pitcher gave him. You know? Mm-hmm. where He hit it where it was pitched. He adjusted to where the ball was pitched. And he had, you know, uh, you know, we, we see him go to left field all the time. Last night we see him yank the ball out of the ballpark down the line. He's, he's, he hits it where it's pitched. And that's an approach that plays – very well, right? Yeah. And I don't think enough guys do that today. Um, I don't know if they have the – I don't know. I, I don't think it's just hand-eye to you. I mean, it's it's no. not really that. It's um, Their swing is designed for one thing. Yeah. No, I, I think that's the part where we've gotten to. It's more one 
one thing oriented instead of being able to adjust to so many different things and be able to on the fly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it used to be pitch to pitch. You got to make an adjustment. Okay. This guy's, you know, the guy in front of me saw three fastballs away, saw a slider away. He threw a change up over here. I, I, and now he's throwing me two fastballs in. What am I going to do? Like there's like the, the cat and mouse game where it's like, instead these guys are just going, I'm just going to pull wherever the ball is. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I, it's the way it seems sometimes. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, I, I'd hate, I, I have to believe that there's going to be a renaissance, you know, back in the other direction at some point that uh, more guys will, you know, again, um, start to sort of see the value of, of, you know, hitting 300 and having an approach that goes gap to gap, you know? Yep. Well, I hope it starts tonight. I mean, yeah. that's all. I mean, <laughs> every night, like you just that hope would be that nice. that's going to be part of it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, Scott. I know you're so hey man, busy. I hope you're having a good, uh, good couple of weeks off. We'll see you in Cincinnati, dude. I can't wait. Like Cincinnati, Labor so Day, great. you'll be working. Oh, I know, right? Isn't that weird? But a yeah, day labor game. Of, labor of love, though. Labor of love. I mean, it's all worth it. Yeah. So, well, thanks, dude. All right, buddy. Give say a big hug to LA and say right? and, and say I enjoy his big league prep. Yes, indeed, I will. All right, buddy. All right, dude. See you. Later. All right. Thank you, Scott Fransky, for joining me and another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. Till next time, maybe this weekend. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to happen. Peace. Kevin Fransky is out of here. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.